Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would give us now your grace to understand your word. But more than that, to make a difference in our lives. And we ask that you would do that through our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you don't want to know the scores, then please look away now. Those are the words that the newsreader uses on a Saturday night, uh, so that if you have avoided the score of your favourite team all day, uh, and you're waiting for match of the day to come on, then the surprise isn't ruined by seeing uh, the result in advance. But as we gather here at the start of this Holy Week, we already know the end result. We already know that Jesus, who was crucified on the first Good Friday, was also raised to life on Easter Sunday. And it's helpful to know that and helpful to remember that as we begin our special series this week. I wonder, do you remember the two disappointed disciples who were walking home from Jerusalem on that first Easter day, walking seven miles to the village of Emmaus? A stranger catches up with them and uh, asks them what they're talking about, and they can't believe that he hasn't heard of what has happened over the past few days in Jerusalem. You see, they had hoped that Jesus was going to redeem Israel. They had hoped that the Saviour had come. But all those hopes were dashed on Good Friday as Jesus was nailed to the cross. And surely that was the end. There were Rumours flying about that the tomb was empty, but they had given up and they had gone home. But then the stranger says to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained what was written in all the scriptures concerning himself. The stranger was Jesus. He gave them a big Bible study of how the Old Testament talks of him and points to him. So having eventually recognized him as he broke bread in their home, They then set off back to Jerusalem in the dark, back along those seven miles to share the good news with the disciples that Jesus really is alive. And then Jesus stands among them, risen, alive. And he reminds them of what he told them before his death. He says, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me 
in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And that's our purpose this week. To see how the Old Testament scriptures about Jesus' death are fulfilled. Now, don't worry. We're not going to cover all of them. We really would be here to breakfast time every day. We won't get to everything written about me. But we'll pick out some of the main passages and see how they point to Christ's cross. And tonight, we start at the beginning, as the sound of music told us, it's a very good place to start. And in our reading tonight uh, from Genesis chapter 3, and it might be useful if you have a Bible open in front of you, it's page 5, in case you've closed it uh, from earlier on. Uh, But in our reading tonight, in Genesis 3, we have the first declaration of the gospel. The first signpost to the cross. And it's planted within the Garden of Eden. Eden was the place of perfect paradise. Where Adam and Eve walked with God... And ruled creation under him. In some ways it's hard for us to imagine just how perfect it was. Because we're so used to the world as we know it now. The world that you turn on the TV screen and see where the latest attack against Christians has been. Or where the latest natural disaster has been. But any time you despair of shattered dreams or disappointments or you groan under suffering or sickness or sadness, any time that you regret strained relationships, you're harking for home, you're longing for that Eden experience. Adam and Eve had it all. And yet how quickly they lost it. From paradise to paradise lost. In just a matter of verses. So how did it happen? How did our first parents lose all that we had? Behind it all was the serpent. He's introduced in verse 1. And you'll see that here in Genesis we're we're just introduced to him without any explanation. Without any, you know, here's who he is or here's what he's about. You have to wait until the very last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 12 and chapter 20 to find out who Exactly, he is that ancient serpent. It's the devil. It's Satan. It's God's enemy. Now, the serpent, verse 1, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And his craftiness shows in the way that he speaks to Eve. Did God really say 
you must not eat from any tree in the garden. He's challenging God's word. He's seeking to undermine it. He's causing doubt. So when Eve says that they can't eat from or touch the tree that's in the middle of the garden or they will die, the serpent strikes straight back and says, you will not surely die. You don't really believe that, do you? For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Do you see what he's doing? He's not only challenging God's word, he's now denying God's word. He's trying to convince her that God is holding something back, that God is not really good and cannot be trusted. And so her desire is stirred when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. The serpent had persuaded her, had tempted her. And deceived her. Because as, as Adam and Eve bit into the fruit. They realized that they were naked. Guilt and shame and regret were experienced for the very first time. They had to cover themselves up. They were fashioned in fig leaves. And then they started the first ever game of hide and seek. Colin, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but this story goes of a, a minister who was out visiting one day and he knocked on a door and he had the sense that someone was inside. Does anyone ever hide on you? I, I don't know, maybe, maybe. But anyway, he, he wrote a Bible verse on the back of the card that he put through the door and it said, Revelation 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. So that was okay. The next Sunday, uh, the lady was going out of church and she just slipped a wee piece of paper to him. And uh, he saw there was a Bible verse on it, so he thought, oh, I better get my Bible. And he looked at it, and it was Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Adam and Eve hid themselves from God because they knew that they were naked. They hid from God, the, the source of their being, the one with whom they had such a deep relationship. You see, it wasn't that you know, God went missing and Adam and Eve were going, God, where are you? It's not that we are searching for God. It's that God is searching for us. God still comes looking for us asking, where are you? Why are you hiding? Perhaps you're hiding from God tonight. You're here, but you're hiding. You're not really engaged. you you would be horrified if the person next to you or, or near you 
knew exactly what way you were feeling or what you had done. But God, God comes to meet us where we are. He comes to find us. He comes to speak tenderly to us. God asks them, why are you hiding? He says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat from? And it's here, at this moment, that the blame game starts. Look at verses 12 and 13. Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent. And the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. Sorry. But do you see how sin brings shame and also blame it's not really my fault God you know it's because of someone else or it's because of my circumstances or maybe even God really it's your fault because it's the woman that you put here with me I would have been okay if you hadn't made her it's always someone else's fault wonder have you seen that maybe with children who did this it wasn't me it was them in the very place where there was blessing and perfection God's good creation has been marred spoiled, ruined I wonder do you remember seeing the, the painting of Jesus on a, on a church wall in Spain a few years ago and, and it had started to fade away because of age and this lady decided that she would fix it up and made it into like a cartoon kind of picture because she really, really did a horrible job of it and the people were horrified at what she had done or imagine someone who has worked for ages building a model ship out of matchsticks. Only for a toddler to come and, well, <laughs> you can imagine the end result. God comes seeking them. But he has to judge their sin. Their refusal to trust him. Their disobedience of his word. And yet even as he declares judgment in the form of the curses that we see. There is also mercy and grace. You see God could have wiped them out immediately. They would one day die. But it wasn't going to be that day. And so we see the curse from verse 14 onwards to the woman. It includes pain in childbirth. For the man it includes thorns and thistles in work. Do you notice, by the way, that it's not that work itself is part of the curse. But that work is now cursed. There's a distinction there. It's not that work is you know, something that we have to do because of the fall. It's 
something that's now twisted at because of the fall. But it's in the curse on this serpent that we find the promise of the cross. Look at verse 15. God says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. God declares to the serpent that there will be enmity uh, between uh, the serpent and the woman, opposition, hostility, uh, and also between his offspring and hers. But do you see how it changes at the end of the verse? You see, it's no longer between the serpent and the woman, or the the seed of the serpent and the woman's uh, offspring, the, the woman's seed. This time it's personal between her offspring and you. The woman's offspring and the serpent. And here God declares to the serpent that at some point in the future, the woman's offspring will do battle with him. And there will be a decisive victory. This is why we see the children of Israel so often oppressed through the Old Testament. The serpent is each time trying to prevent this offspring from being born. Whether it's uh, the baby boys being thrown into the Nile by the Egyptians at the start of Exodus, uh, from which we get the Passover, and we'll think about that tomorrow night with Colin. Or whether it's the slaughter that was planned by Haman uh, in the days of Esther. When God had her in the right place to prevent that slaughter. Or more recently think of Herod's killing of the baby boys under two in Bethlehem. Because, well, the serpent knew that the offspring was finally here. And so he tried to destroy Jesus. This ultimate battle, this promise, points at the cross. So let's think of it for a moment or two in the words of verse 15. And I hope that you don't have ophidiophobia, which is the fear of snakes. Anyone afraid of snakes? I am a wee bit as well, so we'll not dwell on it too much for our sake, Sarah. Um, But picture... The two things happening at the very same moment. The moment that a man stands on a snake's head, it also bites him in his heel. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The serpent will land a blow on Jesus. He strikes his heel. He he brings about the death of Jesus on the cross. But at the very same moment, in the very same action, the serpent's head will be crushed. His 
blow really is fatal. William Williams, the Welsh hymn writer who's most famous for Guide Me, O Thou Great Redeemer, he puts it this way in a poem that he has written. Bruised was the dragon by the sun. Though two had wounds, there conquered one. And Jesus was his name. They were both wounded. But Jesus has conquered. As the writer to the Hebrews puts it in chapter 2. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise partook of the same things. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. As far back as the Garden of Eden and Genesis chapter 3, God is already pointing forward to the cross. God is already proclaiming that the serpent will be defeated by the offspring of the woman, the serpent crusher. And so from Genesis onwards, the search is on for this promised one, the one who would defeat the devil, the one who would bring freedom for his people as he suffers and yet destroys the serpent at the same time. Perhaps tonight you're under the weight of your sin. Perhaps you see the family likeness in our first mother, Eve. That you are deceived by his promises. That you have been led to doubt God's goodness. That your desire has been stirred and and those things look so attractive and then you're caught like a baited hook and you know that you are trapped and enslaved by the devil your shame it feels like it shouts aloud your guilt goes everywhere with you look tonight to the cross because in Jesus death he has defeated the devil he has crushed his head and then listen to the promise that the apostle Paul gives to the church in Rome the same promise that he gives to us as well tonight He says this in Romans 16. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Jesus has done it all. And we can share 
in that victory through the crucified one. The devil's days are numbered. His defeat is sure because of the cross. And so we can look forward not to Eden restored, as good as that would be, but to the new heavens and the new earth where nothing unclean or impure can ever dwell. The scripture has been fulfilled. The serpent crusher has come and has won. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we rejoice in the victory that Jesus has won. We thank you that he has suffered for us. That his heel was bruised. But that he has crushed the serpent's head. And that we too will trample him underfoot. We pray that you would help us to know this truth as we face temptation. And as we struggle with our sin we ask that you would help us to look to the cross and be saved through him we ask this in Jesus name Amen